Hey guys, welcome back again to the Cut Light and Smoke Podcast, presented by ZealCigars.com, CigarSoapbox.com, and as always, coming to you live from beautiful Phoenix, Arizona, in the Huddle Up Store studios. And my buddy Dave is going to be coming on this week to tell you more about Huddle Up Stores. I'm really excited about that. Today, we have Money Guy Dale in. He's sitting across from me. He's actually working the board. How do you feel about that, dude? Hey, it's it's a board, man. You know, it's faders, slide, fa- faders, sliding the faders. Yeah, yeah dude. D- Dale's a also a musician, accomplished musician, and uh, in a band. I don't, right know, now. I don't know about accomplished. I would say you're very accomplished, bro. Oh, I've, I've I've seen you live, and I'd say you're very accomplished. Um, you're in a band. What's the band called again? Well, the band's called Next Evolution. Next Evolution Band, and uh, Dale is the drummer, right? Yep. You're a drummer, and so Dale knows more about. Uh, money than he does drumming i would assume um <laughs> because you're money guy dale but uh we're, we're here to talk about a, an interesting subject we, we started part one and that was for the young folk out there the guys who are 18 to 35 okay and what to do with their money and today we're talking about the older guys that's where you and i kind of fall in we're in middle age you know at that point we're doing yep. 36 to 55 year olds and what to do with your money when you're this age uh in particular so uh, and you said when I when I told you about this kind of thing, you said I got five things that you need to be doing with your money when you're our age, particularly. And how old are you, Dale? Forty one. I am forty eight years old, and uh, it's interesting. Uh, how many jobs would you say you've had, like that were kind of career jobs since you've been eighteen, since you graduated high school? I'd love to hear that because I because that's something somebody asked me about the other day. Uh, probably six. Maybe seven. Mm-hmm. So about average. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm probably at four. So I think after I, I was a pastor for a long time, then I went into the corporate world, then I went into the uh, automotive world, and then now I'm in cigars, and that's four. Yeah. You know, essentially. So uh, the average guy has, what, five or six, you know, yep. careers by the time he's 40-something years old, uh, up to 10, from what I understand, by the time they, you know, uh, retire. You know, if you would. So uh, if you find yourself skipping around different jobs and everything else like that and what to do with your money, you're in the right place. And Dale's going to tell you how to make a million dollars off just one thing you can do right now. And uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. If you tuned in for that, that's probably another program. Another, but, yeah, but, that's uh, another podcast. T- but, but usually when you're at this age, you're making more money than you did when you were younger. Yeah, it's it's you know? definitely primary years. Right, yeah. right. You're primary years. So what should these guys be doing with their money, you know, this time? Well, so a lot of what you need to be thinking about, in my opinion, when you're that 35 to 55 kind of range is Mm -hmm. not only is it your prime earning years, but it is absolutely your legacy building years. Okay. Because by this time, so by by age 35, I was set, I was in the current profession I'm in now. Okay. And so I've just been building since then. Mm Mm-hmm. So by the time you're you're in your late 30s, you should kind of be where you want to be. Mm-hmm. And there are some career changing that happens. I've seen people change careers in their late 40s and 50s, and a lot of times that's a uh, that tends to be like, oh my gosh, time's running out. I really, really want to accomplish this while I'm still young and have ener- young quote unquote mm-hmm. right, and right. have energy and all of that stuff. And so, um, but wherever you are, these these are the prime years for earning, prime years for legacy building. And they, they are the years when you really need to have one foot in today and one foot in tomorrow for sure. So when you say legacy building, what do you define legacy building for, for me? For people who don't hear, what, what is your definition of legacy building? Yeah, it's a gr- great question. So in maybe the easy way to, to think of it, it, it is the time period when you are you're acquiring assets, you're uh, building cash reserves and invest in investments and things like that. Um, and what you're doing is you're setting up for yourself for later, mm-hmm. 
but also you're starting to think about what not only how will you be remembered as mm-hmm. a person but also what will you leave to the people who you care about the most. Okay. And that doesn't always have to be money. Sometimes there are things that are, have a more sentimental value, but they tend to have a financial um, a, association, if you will. Like a house, a car, you know, a, things a collection like of a stuff. Collection, yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. yeah, things that are, you know, sentimental. If my dad was a big Star Wars fan and left me, you know, his collection of Star Wars figures is probably worth some money now yeah you know versus 72 when it came out those things so, happen yeah. <clears throat> okay okay um so when you say legacy what, what's the what's the first thing that these guys should be looking at when you're 40 something years old what's one of the first things you should be doing in my opinion is you need to get really rock solid with what i call your financial purpose okay and so your financial purpose is essentially an expression of what you value and that is your guidepost for how you make financial choices. Mm-hmm. The reason why that becomes very important is because these are the years when there's a lot of big decisions that happen. You're making more money. You've got a little bit more free cash flow typically. And mm-hmm. so it's really, really easy to, to let money just kind of pour out into things that in the grand scheme of things don't really amount to much or that don't matter as much. Okay. Um, and it's also the time period when it's very, very easy to get distracted and make decisions that do not align with what's most important to you or what you value. How are guys distracted necessarily? Give me, give me an example of some guy that, you know, he's got his mind on his money, his money in his mind, like Snoop Dogg said, and, uh, <laughs> but, but he gets distracted. What, what are some of the distractions for guys that are in our age age range right now is that i mean is that like a, a new car a new motorcycle queuing up the joneses what what were some of those ways yeah it's all of those things it, it it tends to be the period of time in again in my experience when you get about to mid to late 40s when you start to go okay i'm not a young buck anymore and i feel like i'm getting older i don't feel old yet so i'm rejecting the premise that i'm old because i'm not right um but i'm slowing down a little bit i'm graying out a little bit right right have i accomplished everything that i want to do is there still time to do some things and typically when there's misalignment between what you're doing with your career and your marriage and how you're raising your kids um, and how your money is is functioning that Mm -hmm. tends to be when men go through the you know quote unquote midlife crisis and so okay. that's when some guys, they, if all of those things aren't right, um, it, the temptation to kind of slowly torpedo your life comes into play. And it usually involves something with, you know, women or uh, use of, of money for things like cars, boats, motorcycles, mm-hmm. um, golf clubs. Not, not that any of those things are bad, but those yeah. are just the things that, that men tend to uh, allow themselves to get sidetracked with that may not actually align with what's really most important. Yeah, you buy $20,000 worth of golf clubs, and that $20,000 is going to have been used in an investment, which is appreciating. It's a very different thing. Right. Where, Those are some yeah. really nice golf clubs. At right, 20, right, right, right. Yes. I don't know how much golf clubs, but I don't play golf. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean. I'm, Primo. I'm, Those are like. Yeah. Those are real good stuff. Okay. Yeah. All right. I get you. I get you. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think that's the most important thing. Get aligned with, with what you value. And I know it sounds kind of like cheeky but if you think about it every business that functions well has a mission statement and Mm -hmm. you know what what the point of the business is you need to approach your financial life the same way your financial life you are a business Mm -hmm. think about your going concern what's the mission of your enterprise and if if you don't have that clear in your head Mm -hmm. 
I would recommend that you sit down and you actually think about it. Um, with my clients, we, we do an exercise and it's, it's writing a statement of financial purpose. Mm -hmm. And so as an example, my statement of financial purposes has three parts. The first part is that I need to remember to dedicate time and resources for family adventures, mm -hmm. whatever that might be. Mm -hmm. Second thing is that I need my business to be thriving so that my wife has professional options so we're not dependent upon her income for mm -hmm. her to decide what she wants to do for the rest of her career. Sure. Um, and then the third part is that I want to be able to give freely in the community. So mm -hmm. I do volunteer work. I'm a Rotarian. So I give time and money and all of those things, right? What's a Rotarian? So Rotary International is a service organization. It's an international organization. I belong to the uh, Scottsdale Sunrise Rotary Club. I just want to hear him say it. And uh, It's funny. What's, what's Rotarian? I'm a Rotarian. I'm a Rotarian. Sounds like an alien thing, dude. Rotary is amazing. <laughs> it is. I've, I've, uh, dude, I've, <laughs> I've been to some of the meetings. They're really nice. They're awesome people. Yeah. And it's, it's a great networking. Yeah, great you networking. have. Yeah, yeah you've yeah, been to some yeah. things with me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, so if if all of my decisions are aligned with one of those three things, then I'm making the right choices mm -hmm. for both now and, and tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But if I make a decision that takes me away from any of those three things, that's where I'm going to have incongruity with what's really most important. Mm -hmm. And it probably means that it's no longer a question of whether or not I can afford to do that. It's a question of how does it actually serve my greater purpose or not? So here's a question for that. It, <clears throat> I think what you're, what you're structuring is really, really good. How do you um, plan for uh, anomalies in there that will suck money, meaning, um, you know, a car crash, a devastating car crash, totals your, totals your car and your family's moving to the hospital for a little bit. You know, you got medical bills and everything else like that, and you were saving for. And I say this because this actually happened to me before, where I've mm -hmm. saved a bunch of money, maybe for a new motorcycle I wanted to get, and then all of a sudden my wife comes across, and, and and my devastation was I want a new kitchen, you know. And so all of a sudden I have to, okay, well, a new kitchen is more important to my marital happiness than a motorcycle will be for sure. So I put that money into that. How do you how do you how do you suggest guys plan for that necessarily, or is there a planning time for that? Yep. So that's where we're going next. So oh, look at that. Leave them with the questions, folks. <laughs> this guy right. knows what's up. So hey, the, just keep this in mind. I did not know anything when we sat down, right? Yeah, I didn't you tell not, you anything. You didn't tell me any of this stuff. Nope. Okay, okay. Yeah. Nope. It's perfect. So um, going off. So the question is, how do you? How does you know things that come up intersect the financial purpose, right? And and how do you plan for that? So. Things that come up unexpectedly don't change your purpose unless they change your priorities and your values, okay. right? So like, for example, if you're cruising along and say the kitchen is an issue, but then let's say that somebody gets cancer. Right, right. That changes your priorities and it probably shifts your values a little bit more or or makes some of those values much stronger. Right. Right. Especially if you're more family oriented and if that's important to you. So the way that you handle those things this is uh, number two thing that you should be doing at this age is if possible, max fund savings, retirement options, and try to diversify your income if you can. Okay. And so what I mean by diversifying your income is have more than one place where you're getting money coming in. Multi-channels. Multiple yeah. channels, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you're, um, for example, if you work a, a, a nine to five or a 10 to six or a two to 10 or whatever your shift is, mm -hmm. Whatever your job type is, if that's just a W-2 and that's all you have, it's a great time to think about what skills do I have and how can I monetize those on the side, right? So side hustle. For a lot of my clients, that really becomes a dangerous exercise because then they come back a couple of months later and they go, hey, 
so I want to do that for real for all the time. <laughs> so help me figure out how to do that. Yeah, right? cigars is my my side hustle. Yes, no, I'm in it for sure. Yeah. But I love that because I love the pursuit of people actually going after what they really really want to do because that helps you to avoid the trap of burnout and oh yeah and midlife crisis and torpedoing your your life and all those things. So you've got to you've got to figure out a way to do that. Max funding savings and retirement. Um, the way to do savings is to come up with uh, the easiest way is to start with just analyzing. Okay, how much income comes in every month? How much money goes out every month? And what what are the outs? Right? What what what's happening to push money out? Some of those things are going to be fixed expenses mm-hmm. or things that are non discretionary, and that's the basics. That's going to be you know, housing, cars, insurance, right? All of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then your discretionary is your fun money, right? So when your you go out, accounts, your all that, yeah, absolutely. Yep. All those things, right? Um, so you want to add that up and then take, depending on how secure your income is, right? So for example, if you're in a, a high commission job, then you're going to want to have a little bit more that you set aside. If you're in a just guaranteed for as guaranteed as it can be W2 income, then maybe the number is uh, on the lower side, but I typically recommend that you have at least three to maybe six months of those expenses set aside in a bank account. Um, and and if your expenses uh, are high and you're setting aside a lot of money, that uh, the bank account in this environment may not be the best place for all of that money to live because it just may not be earning enough. And right now there are significant ways uh, to earn more money in things like short-term treasuries or certificates of deposits and things like that, mm-hmm. more than what your bank can pay. So there's there's definitely some variable there um, with what you can do. And then for investing, if you have um, some kind of retirement plan at work, try to put as much money as you can into it. If you don't have a retirement plan at work and you're saving for yourself, then try to put as much money as you can there as well and invest. So let me kick you a scenario. <clears throat> I, I don't know how many guys deal with this like I do. And I'm, I'm pretty sure there's probably plenty of you guys out there. So you have, you have what you're doing right now that you love. And I, I love what I, what I do. Yep. You know, I think it's pretty, pretty obvious. Um, but there's also other options that you have to do other things. And um, for a time period that um, I'm going to pretend that I could do this other thing that I had an opportunity to do uh, that I really will never do, just so you know. So this is somewhat, you know, hypothetical, but somewhat real. So I love cigars and everything like that, and I committed to be here for about five years. You know, we're coming up on the fifth year right now, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be here for much longer than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason I said that was because uh, I always want to get back into coaching football. I love coaching football. It's one of my favorite things to do. Uh, and had an opportunity to go into college and coaching college. <coughs> I decided to stay here and do this instead. Um, but let's say I had the opportunity. The reason I never will do that is because if I went to coach at the level that I want to coach at, which would eventually be D1 college and then maybe even pro if I could, um, what would happen essentially is uh, I'd have to move. It's just a fact of coaching, dude. You have to move. And my wife said, I will never get divorced, but murder is on the table if you move me again. (laughs) Right? So uh, my wife does not want to move again. So Sounds like a value. (laughs) Right, right. So um, no matter what happens, we will be in Phoenix the day I die. Okay. Um, And so – as a result, I know that. But let's say that there's, there's a guy's wife who's like, yes, that, that sounds great. We'll do that. And the reason I was going to stay here five years, that would be where Madeline graduates. Madeline's graduating this year. Right. She's my youngest. Right. And so now that we're free and we're empty nesters, we can go anywhere and do anything. Um, so let's say some, somebody does have that opportunity, you know, to do that. 
how would you counsel him with his money at that point? So obviously you definitely will make more. I would make more as a, as a football coach than I do here necessarily, probably to the tune of 200 to, I don't know, $300,000 as an assistant coach until you get to coordinator, which is, you know, close to millions, you know, and then if you're ever a head coach, you're, you're in big money at that point. Yeah. You know, so, uh, and that's that's a tra- trajectory I'm not willing to entertain because I won't ever go there because I love my wife and it's a value for me. Um, but in that regard, if somebody did have those opportunities, how would you counsel them what to think through with their money at that point? Because they're in a job they love, they're making good money, but now they have a job that they really are passionate about. I'm super passionate about football, but I know it's not not a reality for me, you know. So and I'm happy to to sacrifice that on the altar of my ego for the sake of my wife. There's no doubt about that. I, mm-hmm. I value her over my my life choices, you know, for sure. So what would you do to counsel a guy like that with his money? Uh, let me tell you how I did it personally. Oh, there we go. Yeah. And this is exactly how I, how I do this with clients mm-hmm. is the first thing is that we take stock of where you are now mm-hmm. and where you want to be or what you want to do next. Then we want to start taking a look at what is realistic. Now it's, very easy for a lot of people to go, well, I think, uh, you know, first year I should be able to make, you know, 150, 200,000, you know, it should be pretty good, blah, blah, blah. But it, it, it doesn't always pan out that way because there's just, there's startup costs, there's just startup oh, yeah. time, and you're just not going to earn what you think you're going to earn in the first year. It's just not realistic for most situations. Mm-hmm. Unless you're walking into an established business with established cash flow, and at that point, most of the time, you're going to have to put a lot of your first year earnings right into that business or keep it in the business. Mm-hmm. So you need to be prepared for the fact that you'll make less money than you think you will, mm-hmm. and certainly in the first year, probably the first three-ish years, right? Mm-hmm. So we want to be realistic about that. We want to also do a little bit of due diligence to understand what the market can support or pay for that type of service Mm -hmm. and how you plan to grow it. So we're going to do a little bit of business planning together. Um, And I'm not a business coach, but again, just because this is what I do, I can see these things. So when we were planning, uh, we wanted to come to Phoenix starting back in like 2015, 2016. Mm -hmm. Um, My wife had cancer in 2016. And so when we got through the beginning of 2017, when she was uh, cleared, then we really started thinking about, okay, what do we, what do we really want life to look like? Mm -hmm. And we were living in uh, near South Bend, Indiana, just on the Michigan side of the border. And, um, and so she brought our kids out to Southern California to see her mother for spring break. And so she called me, Uh, she was on her way back home. She had come through Phoenix and she she called and she said, hey, I, I really think, um, she's like, I think I could live here. Like it just, I just like it, you know? And we had talked about it. So I said, okay, when you get home, let's actually have a conversation about what's important. And I was working, um, I had I had, a, I had a job as a support, uh, in a support role as an advisor and we were making okay money. And, um, and so we tried to make the move. It wasn't the right time. Nothing, absolutely nothing worked mm-hmm. out. That was 2017. Yep. So I decided that what I was going to do instead is just go completely hyper-focused on staying in that area where we were. And then 2019 rolled around and the bug came back again. And I just knew that it was time. And so what I did is we, uh, we were able to sell our home. We got a good price for it. And we had some money that was saved already. We had some investments. And, um, and so I wrote out a plan. How would I do it? How would I come to Phoenix? 
start my own business, build my own client base from scratch, not knowing anybody, not having an established network. I think I knew maybe four or five other financial advisors in this area and they were not going to help me. So I could learn from them, but they were not a source of business or even connections, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, so we did that and, uh, and you know this Bradley because we've been friends. So I came out for the first year by myself, my wife stayed back and the kids finished the school year. And so I knew that with what we had saved and what we were able to sell our home for that, that profit in our home, that we had enough money to get through the first year, maybe year and a half, if I was not able to earn money Mm -hmm. and it legitimately took me quite a while to be able to start earning money. Mm -hmm. And so we did it with, I, I had a plan. I knew what I was going to do. Right. We talked last week about, having a process and then working the process and then Mm -hmm. trusting the process. That's what I did. And I had some money to fall back on. My wife was still earning money. So we, we could afford to pay the bills, but we were paying for two households, essentially one in Southwest Michigan and one in Phoenix. And Mm -hmm. I had to keep my expenses as low as possible personally. And, uh, and, and that's what we did. We just, we wrote the plan and executed it. And you did that with your cigar habit by buying Zeal cigars. I did. Yes. Zeal yeah. house brands. Yes. Zeal house brands. So <laughs> I did that. That's when David, I'm sorry. That's when Dylan actually met as you walked in here for the first time. Yeah. <clears throat> I've been here. I was here for about two weeks when I walked in. Right. Yeah. Right. And, uh, we instantly became friends. It was, it's a really cool story. And I said, you know what? It's hard to make friends here. Why don't you come back here next Thursday and we'll talk. We'll hang out some more, and we just kept doing that, and kept doing that, and kept doing that. Then we invited about what six to eight other guys to come w- visit with us, and now we got a friend group that meets every Friday night and smokes cigars. Yep, you know, which is really awesome. So, yeah, okay, so that answers that question. Yep, that's that's good. There's, there's a very real template for doing that. Um, number three, this is uh, again a little bit more forward thinking, a little bit more legacy planning, but. Um, what you've got to start doing when you're this age is putting money aside for your kids, mm-hmm. because at some point they're going to need a car. Mm-hmm. They're going to want to go to college or a trade school or start a business or something like that. Mm-hmm. And if you are a father of little girls, they're going to get married at some point. Yep. And so you want to start now putting money aside for those things because those expenses come and they come fast. And Average wedding is uh, $35,000 on the low end. It's crazy. Yeah, 75000 on the high end. It's crazy. And the medium is, is uh, $50-something dollars. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And the hard thing about it is that if you have, so like I, I went from earning, I think I was earning somewhere in the neighborhood uh, when I came to Phoenix or the last the last job that I had, I think I was in the neighborhood of about 65000 or so, mm-hmm. not, not including any bonuses that I might have had. Right. And so I went from a $65,000 income to zero. Ooh. And so when you do that for a couple of years and then you have to rebuild up to that level, it's going to interrupt your ability to do some of these other things. Oh, yeah. And so it it is uh, the earlier that you start saving for this, the better prepared you're going to be for when these things come up. Because then... What happens is you're not scrambling to find a car and you're not scrambling to figure out, okay, which credit card can I put this, you know, the caterer on or, or, you know, how do we pay for this graduation party and Mm -hmm. those kinds of things. Those expenses come fast. So, um, you've got to put money aside for your kids. They're going to, they're going to need it. There's just no other way around it. Now, now when your children are teenagers, absolutely teach them. And before they're teenagers, start teaching them the value of money Right. We did it very simply when our kids were young with, we just had an envelope system. We had, um, we had a, a, an envelope that was uh, for tithe. We had an envelope that was for 
future savings, and then we had an envelope that was spending money. Mm-hmm. And it was it went like uh, I think it was ten to ten to tithe. I think it was fifty to future savings, and then they could you know do whatever they wanted with the remaining forty. Mm-hmm. And so we taught them how to budget that way, and then. Um, as they became teenagers and started working for real, then we kind of reinforced that by uh, helping them just keep track of their money decisions and then helping them kind of shape that a little bit. And and what they did is they tend, uh, all of them tended to s- still follow that same kind of envelope system mm-hmm. until they got to about, you know, 17 or 18. And then it was just like, I can do what I want with my money. Mm-hmm. So um, if you instill the, the value of money early, um, it'll seem like they get away from it when they're 18, 19, 20, but they will come back to it and they will make good, responsible choices, but you have to start them on it. So we, we both are parents of teenagers. Yep. You know, um, my son's 19, Skylar's how old? Skylar's 20. 20, okay, yeah. Cam will be 20 in August. So August 29th, Cam, Cam turns 20. So, and my daughter, Savannah, is <clears throat> 23, already married, lives in uh, Tennessee. And then Madeline is 17, she'll be 18 uh, next week. Mm-hmm. Wow, whoa, this week. Oh, May 6th. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, May 6th. Our youngest is 18. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And when you, Dale is 100% right in this, in this guys, that teenagers demand money. They just do. And if you set money aside and you teach them how to use it, both of my, all of my, all of my kids all have healthy, and I mean robust, healthy savings accounts. Not just because of us giving them money for this, but because we train them early on. To this, and I'll, I'll say this because, for example, my son and I were watching were watching a YouTube video about spending money together, right? And he heard the stat about how most people don't have even a thousand dollars in their savings account. Fifty six percent of America does not have fifty doesn't have a thousand dollars in the savings account for any kind of major emergency or anything else like that. My son looks over at me and I said, "How do you feel, buddy?" And he just looks at me and goes, "Dad, I got way more than that." I'm yeah. like, "Yeah, and you don't have you don't have very little expenses, do you?" Live with mom and dad. The only, your only expense is your gas. Yep. You know, and your insurance. It's about it. That's all you have. You know, and so it, it, the amount of freedom that my kid has. And my son works a really good job. He makes some really good money, and for a teenager, and he goes on vacation, and he goes where he wants to do, and he goes. So the amount, the the, the discipline of money really does equal freedom. Yeah. It really does. So the discipline of money really does equal freedom. And if you guys see that and grab onto this, particularly when you're our age, you'll start recognizing more freedom. I know Dale has lots of freedom, and I'll tell you why I know Dale has lots of freedom. One, because I'm his friend. I get to be a blessing of his freedom. He literally brought me lunch today without blinking an eye, and I'm like, let me pay you for it. And he's like, no, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know, that kind of thing. You're able to bless people when you have freedom. Okay, you're able to be there for people when you have freedom. If there's emergencies, even with friends, for example, our our friend group, I'll give you a kicking example. Our friend group, one of our guys loses money. Our, our one of our guys loses his job. He's hurt and everything like that. Do you think that guy would have any problem making it with all of us around him? No, no, not at all. No, not at all. Yeah, no. And that's that. So, the the way the way that you gain that kind of freedom can, and and there's I think that's a continuum because things do come up, emergencies happen, mm-hmm. you 100%, know, yep. things things break down. Right, that the maintenance of life is ridiculous. But yep. But the way that you do it and the way that you teach your kids to do it is through understanding choice. Right. And so we, we, you know, we have a thing. I mean, our kids, you know, that they will complain about something or, or they'll make a choice and we'll see the result and we'll just go, Hey, <laughs> life's all about choices. You know, like right, right. you have to understand how to evaluate choice because if you can't, 
And that's where the discipline comes in. If you if you don't have the discipline in how you make, how you evaluate and then make a, a decision and, and choose what you're going to do, you're going to have a much harder time to go at any of this. Oh, yeah. And there's a lot of people that. in the world who just don't have their arms around this. Mm-hmm. And, and anybody listening to this podcast can absolutely, even if you feel like right now you don't have control of it, you can absolutely get control of it. And there's ways to just start. Just start small and baby step your way back into and dave ramsey has nothing on dale's advice just so you guys understand that I mean, dave he, yeah. dave ramsey has some good advice for some people but there is a point where you outgrow 100 percent. yeah 100 percent. particularly if you're in business for yourself 100 percent. you're gonna outgrow that real quick real quick real yep quick. yep absolutely number four number four is uh as you get to the older end of this bracket right so think you start to get into your 50s your kids are probably uh on the older side right they're starting to get married family plan, and they're going to have kids mm-hmm. for the most part. Now, data shows that, that people are waiting until later ages to have children. Dale's being very, very generous with this, his statements just so everybody understands that. Because as he's talking, he's talking about future things and kids and stuff like that. He refuses to tell you that he's actually a grandfather. <laughs> I am. Okay. I don't, and I don't refuse it. 40-year-old, 41-year-old grandfather, just so you know. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So, this so is, this is healthy for you to hear. I mean, this is, you're experiencing this too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm telling and recommending things that I'm doing myself. Right. 100%, right. Yeah. So I mean, that's the only way I know how to do it. That's the only way that it's really genuine. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I will tell you that as you typically, right, I'm a little ahead of the curve, but as you get to the older end of this, that's typically when you're going to start having uh, grandchildren, start putting money aside for your grandchildren. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's very, very easy to do. It doesn't take a whole lot um, because really it's not, I'm technically they are your children's responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's their child. But you have the wonderful, uh, like the, the most fun thing about being in the age where we have now the next generation is we get to have fun with it. Yep. Right. And so we're having fun having a two year old around the house, which is weird, right? Cause it's been ages since we've had two year olds around the house. And now we have a two year old who runs around and, and we get to take him on, we call them Ollie adventure days. Mm-hmm. And so we take him on Ollie adventure days and we, we, we do all kinds of stuff. We go to the zoo, we go out to the lake, we, you know, throw rocks, we do all kinds of stuff. And, uh- and just so you know, it's so great hearing Dale say this stuff because I'm, I, I'm a benefactor of seeing his life lived out in the truth of what he's talking about. So it's cool to see see the things that you're saying. Like I see you do this. If you follow Dale on Facebook, some of you guys may, some of you guys not. Yeah. Uh, but make sure you follow Dale Schaefer. Yep. Um, on Facebook, and it's it's really great because you see what you're doing. You see the things that you're you're going here and you're experiencing these things here and so on. And so forth. it's just it's such a great thing to see that. As a friend, I'm like, dude, do it. Do it and celebrate yeah. your friends, man. It's so incredible. It really is. Yeah. So look for ways to uh, to to put money aside for your grandkids, um, and that can be for college. I I'm not I'm not a fan of putting all the money you can into like a, a state sponsored five two nine plan. Sure. Um, and that's just because I don't know what in the world the government's going to do about higher education. Right. And, and right. I don't know how the rules are going to change around that. So sure. And. There's also, you never know what your children or even your grandchildren are going to grow up and want to do. Not all of them mm-hmm. are going to go to college. College is not right for everybody. Right. right. And so um, whatever they decide to do, if they're going to go to trade school, if they're going to start a business, or if they're going to go to university, um, you you can save multiple different ways mm-hmm. 
So that way you can be the most helpful to them based on whatever they decide to do. I know a buddy of mine who saved up uh, ten grand for his son to uh, to go to college and, and pay out his uh, very first semester of college, and the kid decided not to go but wanted to start a business. And so the father was very happy to give him the money to start his business and yeah. buy all the equipment for a lawn care business. Yeah. And the kid's doing great, multi-million dollar now. Yeah. You know, he's like, okay, I did this. And so you'd be surprised at, w- at ways that you think it maybe your kids want to go that we what we were expected to go when we were younger may not be the ways for my, my daughter, Savannah, graduate college in three years. Smart, book smart, loves everything. Yep. Camden, not a college kid. Doesn't want to do that. Went to a frat party and hated it. You know, so I mean, <laughs> as, as a result of, of all that kind of stuff, like in all honesty, you're just thinking like, hey, that, that's what, and now Madeline's going to college. She's just she's, she's getting ready to go to college yeah. this next semester, and so like that's one of her things. Like she's definitely gonna go to college. So my girls went to college. My boy did not, but he's gonna be his own man doing his own thing, and I have plans for him. You know, in that regard, that's important for guys to know that like if your kids change up change up the plan on you, that's okay. Still bless them with what you can. Yes, and and there. I, I was just having this conversation with, with one of ours because we have three in college and one who stopped going to college and mm-hmm. is in the business world doing his thing. Right. And so I was just having a conversation, not last week, um, or it was last week, whatever, with, with them. And it's like, look, there there's a point where, as a parent, you have a vision for what you want to see your children do and accomplish and how you want their lives to go. Mm-hmm. But it's their life, right? It, it's, right. And and I I said, uh, you know, from a faith basis, it is not all that different than how we how we have free will with right. our Creator, right? It's like absolutely the Creator has a plan, mm-hmm. and then we have the free will to do and make the choices, and <laughs> right. then you know you, you do the best you can. And so it's the same the same thing is true when you're a parent and you have kids. Uh, you, you've got to there, there's it's almost like coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Where uh-huh. where you're saying, okay, this is what's best for you. I can see that pothole right there. Don't hit it. And sometimes the kid just drives right into it because they're going to do that. You have to give them a little bit of freedom to make their choices, but still be your role as a parent never stops. A hundred percent. And it, it, it actually continues even when they become parents, even more so because then you're just, you're, you're helping. I mean, after I leave here today, I'm going to meet our oldest for a happy hour because we're probably going to talk about some parenting stuff, right? Right, right, right. right. Um, and marriage stuff and whatever. And so you, you've got to be helpful to them in that regard. So number five. Number five, and this is a, this is a shameless plug. Get it, dude. Hire it. a financial advisor. Hire at this a age financial group. advisor. There's, there's no reason not to. There, there is, there is, so, so let me, let me just, let me hit on this one really, really hard. Um, you may think you know what to do with your money. You may think you've, you've researched everything. You're in stocks, you're in bonds, you're doing everything else like that. But a fiduciary, if I'm correct, uh, only gets paid when you do with your money. Am I correct in that? Well, it depends on how the, it depends on how that person charges for their services. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the great aspect about it is when you know somebody like yourself, what, what sets you apart from that? What sets you apart? So, so how do you how do you charge and everything else like that? Tell people about that yeah. and why it is beneficial for them. Yeah. So when I say hire a financial advisor, what I am not talking about is a stock jockey. Right. I am not talking about somebody who just wants to manage your money. Your day trading bro. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Managing money is important because your investment outcomes dictate a lot of things that happen later on. Mm-hmm. Um, however, if that's the only thing that the advisor is focused on, they're missing six other very key areas 
of your financial life that they're influencing with their investment decisions, but have no idea what's happening in mm. those. So you're going to want somebody who my preference is look for somebody who has the uh, designation certified financial planner. You'll see it CFP. That's very important because that person does not have a choice. They legally and ethically must act as a fiduciary at all times when they're giving any form of financial advice. And that's very, very important because what that means is that if they're making a recommendation, it has to be what's best for you, regardless of what it does for that professional. What happens if it doesn't? Well, as a consumer, if you have just cause, you can you can sue the pants off from that professional. Mm. And that professional can be um, not only sued by you, but they can be censured by the CFP board, mm. and they can have that designation if it's severe enough. Not only are there civil, but there can be criminal penalties. Mm. And uh, at some point, they can revoke that designation. And if it's revoked, it's never able to be earned again. Oh wow! So it's pretty, it's pretty darn severe, right? Yeah. Um, so you want you're going to want to have somebody who who you know for sure has your best interest in mind and they're required to at all times mm -hmm. because you, you have some teeth there if they don't. So let's say somebody's listening to this right now and they're like, I like Dale. I want to get a hold of Dale. I want Dale to be my financial planner. All right. How do they get a hold of you? Yeah. Good question. So I'll say first, I'm not right for everybody. Um, and uh, I, that's so true. That really is true. Yeah. I, I take a very, uh, I take a very hands-on approach. I don't bill like a lot of financial advisors right. do. Um, but if you want to get a hold of me, the easiest way is to go to lifemoveswealth.com and uh, everything that you're going to want to know about me is there. And I do recommend actually go a step further. If you go to the contact page, you'll see not only the social media accounts for the firm, but you'll see my personal ones all there as well. And I highly recommend that you stalk me because I think it's one of the most important relationships that you can have as an adult. And you want to be sure that you have somebody that you can get to know that you like and that you can you can uh, be able to let them earn your trust because it's a relationship that you want to have for a very long period of time. And one of the most important parts of that relationship, especially if you're married, is that professional needs to have a relationship with both spouses, Absolutely. not just the guy. And the reason why that's important is because something like 82 I think that's the number the last time I saw the research of uh, widows leave their financial advisor within one year of their husband passing away. And that's a that's a big problem because at the point when she's the most vulnerable, she has to now go start over and find somebody else that she can trust. Right. And it's only because that financial advisor did not have a relationship with both people. Mm. A lot of times male advisors talk over female clients' heads. Mm -hmm. They use big words. They're intimidating. They're short with them, that kind of thing. Or mm -hmm. they just they just don't build a relationship there because of the bro-bro thing. You, ha you have to find somebody who is comfortable working with both you and your spouse and is open to taking questions and calls from either of you. And it really should be a three-way a, a three relationship and mm. not just a one-to-one. -one. That's great. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Now, the, when people are thinking about getting a financial advisor and they're, they're, they're timid about it, they're like, I can't afford it. This guy's expensive because yeah. they all drive nice cars. Do I have enough money know? to be in the room? Yeah, all that yeah, stuff. yeah, exactly, exactly. What are ways that you can, you can, you know, put, cast those doubts aside because of what? So for a lot of people, I, 
Uh, I'll tell you, I believe that there in this country, there is a massive gap uh, in who gets advice. And the the gap is between I have a little bit of money and I have a million dollars. And typically for some people, they think that they they just don't have access to good financial advice Mm -hmm. unless they have 500,000 to invest or a million to invest. And there's a lot of really, really good financial planners like myself who are available and make themselves available for that service. So find somebody who, uh, the easiest way to do it is look, if you're uh, looking for a financial advisor, just do a search for fee-only advisor. That'll get you down the right path. And what that's going to do is that's going to give you the names of advisors who are in your area or uh, and maybe some of your friends work with an advisor you can ask. Um, but that's going to tell you the individuals who are most likely to work with you without having those kinds of investment minimums. So let me ask you this. Um, do you have to have an advisor in your state or can it be cross state or anything like that? I no, mean, you, you can work with an advisor anywhere as long as they're appropriately licensed. I have clients all over the country. Okay. 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 So let me ask you this. So kind of, kind of fun, shoot, shoot them off for questions. Um, I'm 48 years old. I make a decent amount of money. Um, uh, I want a 68 Mustang Fastback by the time I'm 55, all right? And I make, let's say I make $150,000 to $200,000. And all of that's taken right now currently, and I have no extra I have no extra expense. You know, I have no extra expenses right now, but I could probably cut back on some of those expenses. Okay. So now what do I do? So we'll do the math, right? Okay. So find out what that car cost. $100,000 is what I want. Today. Today. We'll put an inflation number on it. Okay, so $130,000 by the time I'm 55. Okay. And so then what we'll do is break down how much you need to save at what percentage of rate of return. Ooh, that's really good. Uh-huh. And then we'll mm-hmm. do that over, let's say, that seven-year period or whatever whatever the time frame is, and we'll determine how realistic it is. Which is weird for cars because they can appreciate when they're that old. Uh, like, those like, cars can, for yeah, sure. Yeah, they can, they can be an appreciating mm-hmm. asset. In fact, mm-hmm. there's, a, there's, a, uh, there's an app out there that allows you to invest in buying old cars with the appreciation of when they sell. That's cool. It's weird, dude. It's yeah, really there's weird. the yeah. same thing with art. You can do the same oh, thing with yeah. art. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Just, and the whole thing with it, I mean, it's got to be insured and everything else like that, right? You know, correctly and stuff like that. That's why I got a mom. My mom does insurance. Uh-huh. Uh, but I, I think that's a crazy thing. Well, so that encompasses essentially 35 to 55, yep. or 36 to 55, if you would. The next time you come on, you're talking about my parents who are 55 all the way to, let's say, 85. Because yeah. after 85, you make it past 85, you're doing very good. Absolutely. Yeah, you're doing very, very good. But most guys will die around. My dad just turned 78. That's the, that's the year, Yeah, which is crazy. I, dad, you're going to live forever. I love you. So, I mean. But, yeah, I mean, happy so, birthday, Len. Yeah, yeah, It's amazing. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's really cool. Dad turned 78 today and walked 7.8 miles. That's awesome. Which is really cool. Almost a whole eight. And I'm super proud of him. I could not do that, especially with my knee. Um, but I'm super proud of my dad and he's, and you know, what's really interesting, um, how I was taught about money was not really, um, uh, from my parents necessarily. They did, they did really well with money. It was taught through uh, my church and through mentors through my church on what to do and everything else like that, which is really, really interesting. And I've never found, um, people who take money so serious as people in ministry. Yeah. You know, why is that? Why do you think that is? Why, why would they take it so serious in, in that regard? I, I really think it's because in ministry, your revenue streams are no, there's no guarantee of revenue streams. That's true. 
Yeah, there just true. isn't. I mean, you can yeah. have you can have pledged giving, you can have you know regular uh, tithing and that kind of thing, but at any point those can be pulled right. uh, or redirected, or things happen in people's lives where they can no longer give at those at those levels. Mm. Um, and then sometimes people give a lot more mm-hmm. uh, because that maybe they get blessed, so then they turn it around and bless the ministry. But I I really think it's completely because um, like any nonprofit, your your revenue sources are variable highly. So. I'll say one of the coolest things happened happened to me. So um, I was the benefactor of many people getting blessed, if you would, over my years. Mm-hmm. You know, where guys would literally call me and say, "Hey, man, I just the stock cashed out the stock option, and you know, I got into Starbucks when it's opened, and you know, I just cashed out, and I got lots of money. I want to bless you. You know, what do you need?" They would literally ask me, "What do I need?" Yeah, and I'm like, "I don't need anything, man. I, I feel really blessed, and everything like that." And so, why am I get something? I they give you something, you know, and. Name a price. I had a guy one time saying, name a price. I had a guy give me a Porsche. I had a guy, I mean, literally, I didn't take it. I just don't want to go drive around <laughs> on a Porsche. Much less fit a Porsche, guys, right? But, uh, I mean, the, in, in that regard, so people, and, and to find people um, that have been in business for that long that bless people in ministry, yeah, it is, it's so, because in ministry, you don't make a lot of money, unless you're like the mega church guys and everything like that, that, you know, do it for, you know, I'm not saying all of them are bad or anything like that, but. You, you find some guys that do it for the fame and, you know, they, they're making, you know, millions of dollars and, yep. you know, stuff like that. Sure. The Olsteins and things like that, the Creflo Dollar and <laughs> the dude, the dude who dry, what, flies around in a jet, that one guy. Uh, yeah, that's, that's yeah. Creflo Dollar. Yeah, is it Creflo Dollar? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> well, and, and Olstein of, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I'm not trying to bash on those guys. What I am saying, though, is that uh, it's skeptical. you're skeptical when you see that. You're kind of sure. like, mm, I, don't, I don't know, is that really for the Lord? You know, uh, that kind of thing. But it's really cool to find guys on the outside. So, um, you mentioned giving, and I want to talk about that for a second. So when you say people giving, why should people, when it comes, you're, you're 36 to 55, why should giving be a part of your life at that point? Whether it's to the church or to a charity or something like that, why should that be a part of your life? What does that do for you? Because when you go into a place like a community, you should always leave it better than you find it. Oh, that could be biblical right there. It is biblical. It is. I it know is. I know it is. Yeah. Um and and there's there there's nothing um to me there's nothing that's ethical about taking and taking and taking from our community and using its resources and never ever ever putting back into it. There's just there's nothing ethical about that whatsoever. Yeah, in yeah. my opinion. So give guys. That's important. Mm-hmm. It really is. Uh, I think it's a huge thing. We do it. And I think many other people do it as well. And I think that's that's a huge thing. So just find find something that you like. Find something that you're passionate about. Like I said, my my outlet has been Rotary since 2018. Yeah, yeah. And and it's just because I like serving. And for me, that was the best place to serve. Mm-hmm. Where uh, in in theory, it's apolitical. Um, it's not tied to any denominational faith or mm-hmm. anything like that. So I can literally just be in the community. And not have to worry about just like weird conflicts of interest with whatever the other organization is. So right. it's been nice uh, for me. And it's really cool because it opens doors. You get to know people that you otherwise wouldn't know. Mm. Um, you get to serve. So I'm currently the president of my Rotary Club for another two months. And uh, you just you get to do things that are pretty neat in the community. Which I have, I have seen Dale give and give and give. And so this guy backs up what he says and it's really really cool and really encouraging so well guys this has been uh money guy dale on the podcast where the sky is falling and you're somewhere between 36 and 55 and you're trying to figure out what to do your money dave dale give you five great things we're gonna say i just, the sky is not falling it's falling right now. the dale. sky is not 
You've been outside? There's I have. No, there's no more ozone, it's dude. Warm. It's warm. It's, it's like 150 outside It's now. warm. <laughs> it feels like... Today was, today was bad driver day, so in that it case, the, the sky is falling, because everywhere you go, somebody's trying to kill you. I know, it's, it's, Ugh, it's, it's, it's terrible. Phoenix, That's why I didn't drive my bike today. I drove my car because I had a feeling. I don't know what it is, but it's like Monday, and people just... Oh, my gosh. Mondays are bad days. Mondays are bad days on the road. So, well, guys, just so you know, this has been Money Guy Dale with uh, the uh, Cut, Light, and Spoke podcast. Thank you guys so very much for listening to the podcast. And as Dale hits the button, which I gave him permission to do. Oh, look at that. Got the walkout music. Look at that. Isn't that great? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, guys, next time Dale comes back, he's talking about what to do with your money when you're 50... Oh, when you're 55, 56 through 78. So stay tuned and we'll have him back again. And that's all we got for you now. Peace.